So if you have your copy of scripture, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. That's where we'll be spending most of our time this morning. But I would be remiss if I didn't stop first and say at least one thing, and that's this. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The residency program that you have here at First Baptist Church is rare. There are not many places, especially in the Baptist world, where uh, a a minister can graduate from seminary and find an entry-level position to a church. There's not many places where you will have a mentor that will meet with you weekly, that will uh, give you real responsibilities, but will support you when you forget to book uh, a hotel room for a speaker. (laughs) Not that I've ever done that, but uh, but thank you, Jamie. This residency has blessed me so much because it's helped me uh, to hone my strengths in student ministry, but it's also stretched me to do ministry alongside Alan and alongside the kids' ministry. Uh, I've been able to gain experience across the whole breadth of the church, and for that, I am deeply thankful. Uh, And so I want you to know this morning that the program you have here is rare, And I also want you to know that I am deeply grateful. So thank you very much. If you turn your Bibles to John chapter 21, we get into an interesting point in the Bible. I think because many of us have uh, read more of the Bible, we can read ahead in our minds without being there on the page. And this is what I mean. In John chapter 21, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's been resurrected. He has even appeared just a few times to the disciples. But the disciples haven't yet received the Great Commission, so they're not sure what their purpose is or their goal is yet. And likewise, Pentecost hasn't happened yet, so the Holy Spirit has not come to dwell with them yet. So If I was a disciple in that moment, I would wonder, are things going to change? Is God going to change? He's done all this work, and I've been, as a disciple, you would have been living with him for three years, listening to his teaching, eating meals together, traveling together, camping out on the road together. And after all of that, he disappears, he comes back a few times, but you're kind of in limbo. You're not sure what's happening. And so I think in this passage, you can tell the disciples are maybe having some doubts, or maybe they're just not sure what's next. There are times in our lives when we may have similar doubts. We may wonder, is it over? Is God done with me? Is God done with this relationship that we've had? Maybe it was strong in the past, but I feel so far from him now. Is it different? And into that space and into those questions, Jesus steps and he has an answer for us. Before we say exactly what that answer is, I think we need to know a few things about the book of John. So John uses a lot of imagery in his gospel because he believes that we can know more about who God is if we have images and pictures to see God through. So in John's gospel, he has like the seven I am statements. So John says, he, John records that Jesus told us, 
I am the bread of life. John records that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. These I am statements are pictures in a sentence form so that we can know more about God's loving character towards us and so that we might be drawn to him. So John, he always has a mind for images and for literature. Uh, After all, it's his gospel that instead of starting with a list of Jesus' descendants, instead he starts with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it wasn't, it's not till later, halfway through the chapter, that John reveals that this word that we're talking about, it's Jesus. So John doesn't come out and say, hey, Jesus has been with God from the beginning. Jesus has been God from the beginning. He was there at creation. Instead, he uses this beautiful language to describe it, to help us picture it, to help us experience it as we read. So John has us in mind as he records his gospel. He's doing it with intentionality, with purpose. And in John chapter 21, he does so again. He knows that the first time the disciples had ever met Jesus, they were at the lake of Genesaret. They had just finished fishing and they had had a terrible night. They'd caught nothing. You fish at night so that you can sell all your fresh fish in the market in the morning. They had caught nothing. And Jesus shows up, and after some preaching, he says, hey, put your nuts down on this side of the boat. And they're like, whatever, man, but they do it. And up comes a bunch of fish. And after this miracle, he invites them. He says, come with me, and you'll be fishers of men now instead of fishers of fish. He invites them into a life. John remembers this. And so that's why with purpose, he records John 21. Because he knows what is happening here has happened before and that the repetition is purposeful. Jesus did this purposefully. He knew about our questions and our doubts. He knew the disciples might be in this in-between space, not sure what is next. And Jesus stepped into that moment and answered the question. And so this morning we will see that Jesus and John, they're telling us this, God's work for us and his call to us is constant and continual. God's work for us and God's call to us is constant and continual. So let's talk first about God's work. In John chapter 21, I'll read the first seven verses. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Then he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had been tripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. He's so excited that he's going to swim all the way to shore. The boat just isn't fast enough. He has to get to Jesus. And so in this first portion of the chapter, we see that Jesus repeats a miracle. Jesus did a lot of miracles on his time on earth, but he's repeating this one on purpose. And John is recalling it and recording it on purpose. It's because God's work for us, it continues. If you had any doubt, maybe, maybe Jesus on the cross, maybe when he said it was finished, maybe he meant that he's done and he's done working. No, that's not what he meant. When he said it is finished, he meant that sin and death were done, but that he was not going to stop. His work was going to continue. God's work, he works like a gardener and not like a clockmaker. So a clockmaker, they do very intricate, detailed work, right? They put the gears in the right spots. They might twist it up, then they put the clock face on, but then they let it tick. They step away. Their work is done. On the other hand, a gardener, if you've had a garden of any size at all, you know that weeds grow every day, right? And a gardener must be working every day, not just to pull up weeds, but to check leaves and make sure they're not scaly, make sure that there aren't harmful bugs attacking your garden. And so gardeners work consistently, continually. They're always working. And God, his work is like that for us. He didn't stop working after creation, and he didn't stop working after the cross. No, God works continually like a gardener, and he is working in our lives still today. So God's work continues, but it's also constant. When I say it's constant, I mean that it hasn't changed. It hasn't become different. When the disciples were with Jesus, they saw him heal the broken. They heard him preach good news to the spiritually broken. They saw him care for the poor. The disciples might wonder, are things going to change now that Jesus has been resurrected? Are things going to change now for how I minister to people? And into that, Jesus says, no, my work is constant. The fact that this miracle is the same as it was the first time shows that God's work is constant. It hasn't changed. So when we see Jesus working today, we can expect to see him helping the poor to see him speaking good news to the spiritually broken, to see him healing the sick. There are painters that work meticulously to develop a specific style of painting so that that when they make a work of art, whether it's a broad landscape they paint or whether it's a portrait, that you can tell by their brush strokes and by the type of oil they use on the canvas that it was this person that made this. They develop very particular styles. 
I think uh, maybe we think that you have to have an art history degree to recognize those exact styles, but I think that's wrong. Actually, I'm fairly certain that if I showed you a picture of Charlie Brown, you would all know who painted that. It's Charles Schultz, right? He's the creator of the Peanuts cartoon and uh, is a great artist. God's work is like that, whether it's a master painter or whether it's Charles Schultz who has developed his style over years and has become consistent, not changing. So every peanut strip you look at, Charlie Brown looks the same. God's work is constant and it has not changed. Let's talk also about the call of the Lord. So we'll pick up in verse 8. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So God's work is continual and constant, but God's call, his invitation to you and to me, it is continual and constant as well. God calls us, he invites us to be in a relationship with him. And that is not a one-time call. It's not something that we experience once and respond to, but instead the Lord is always inviting us to a relationship. He is inviting us deeper and deeper. He is continuing to call us. And so in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus first invited the disciples to be in a relationship, he said, come and be fishers of men. Because they were Jewish and lived in that time, when they heard that, they would understand that Jesus was inviting them, come and live with me for a long time. Live on the road. Leave your hometown behind. Sit and hear my teaching as I teach to the crowds eat with me, share meals with me, become my friend. That's what Jesus is inviting the disciples to in Luke chapter 5. And in John chapter 21, he's not inviting them to start something, he's inviting them to continue something. Come and have breakfast. What a great invitation. Come and continue. Let's have another meal. Let's talk again. Let's continue to be close. So God's call on our lives, it's a continuous call. It's one that is not going to stop. It is also a constant call. It's not changing. God isn't calling us to leave something behind or to throw something off. And this is what I mean. I think we can sometimes get this mixed up. There are times that we might think, uh, we might be tempted to think that God is calling us like someone is called uh, to climb the corporate ladder, right? Climbing the corporate ladder, that means that um, 
you are working for that next promotion at a job and not for the good of the business really, just for your next promotion. But really, God's call is more like being called to teach high school science. So let me explain, let me explain. If you are ascending a corporate ladder, you are changing jobs each time, right? So let's say that we all uh, go get a job and we all start working at Costco as cashiers. And so we're behind the cash register every day, swipe, swipe. And we do that for a while until we're promoted and then maybe you're a manager. Once you're a manager, you leave the swiping and the cash register behind. You don't do that anymore. Instead, you are making sure that your employees get there on time, you're scheduling people to work, and you're dealing with angry customers. And then if you're promoted again, you would leave all those duties of manager behind all over. You would stop doing that, and instead you would start looking at different stores and deciding which locations should have extra workers, and things like that. And so each time you ascend the corporate ladder, you leave some of your skills and your history behind. But that's not how our relationship with God works. We might have different seasons of our relationship and might feel different in different seasons with God, but we never leave something behind. We don't cast it off. And so instead, our relationship with God, it's like being in a high school science class. I love science. I love science experiments. And one of the reasons I love a science class is because when you go in each day, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's so wonderful. Some days, uh, you might be working a bunch of chemistry equations and balancing them, which is exciting for some and maybe not for others. And then on yet other days, you will be doing a science experiment. I still remember one of my favorite days of high school. I had a physics teacher in my senior year. We took a potato cannon out to the practice field for football. We pumped it up. We actually over-pumped it. Um, And when we launched it, we never found the potato. I had a lot of fun in science class. And so there were days that we did that. There were days that we did work. There were days that we did tests. There were days that we went on field trips. But all these different things, we weren't casting anything off, but we were using all of them together to build to one common goal for us to learn, for the teacher to pass knowledge on to us. And our relationship with God is like that. There might be different seasons of your life. You might join an accountability group for a while, and that might be a good season of your life. It might be like a field trip, but it is pointing you to a relationship with God. Another time, you might have a consistent devotional time. That might be uh, like your homework in class, something that is consistent, but always helping you build your knowledge of science or our relationship with God. Or you might, uh, I don't know, listen to a sermon on a Sunday, and hopefully that too builds your relationship with God. And so God's call, his invitation to us is to consistency. It is to relationship. And it is the same. And so there might be times in your life where you wonder, is it over? Have things changed? 
Is my relationship with God ever going to recover from fill in the blank? I think Jesus steps into those questions and John writes trying to answer you in this chapter and said, he says this, is it over? No, it continues. Has it changed? No, it is constant. Our Lord, he continues and he is constant. And so my encouragement to you this week is that you would look and that you would listen for his work in our lives and all around us. God is working still today and he is speaking still today. And so would you have the eyes and the ears to perceive it? Here's some questions to maybe get you started in that direction. Where is God working in our community? Where is he working in your family? Where do you wish that he would work? Would you pray and expect him to work in those areas? Where do you think God is calling you? Where do you think he's calling you to speak about your faith? Where do you think he's calling you to spend more time with him? Where do you think he is calling you to minister to someone around you who's hurting? And maybe one more question to help you think and get in the right spaces because we can expose ourselves to the work of the Lord and we can open our ears to the call of God. And so here's one final question is, where could you experience God's grace and healing this week? Put yourself in those places and in those spaces. Could you experience his grace and healing in a church community, maybe like this? Could you experience that grace and healing in a small group or maybe an even smaller group, an accountability group where you can uh, talk and hold one another accountable and pray for one another? Or maybe you could mentor someone else or be mentored by somebody else. Maybe you could uh, put extra effort into your personal devotional time this week. I know that the Lord is calling to you and that he is working in your lives. And so I encourage you this week to open your eyes and open your ears and ask that you could hear him. Because into the seasons when we might doubt or we might question, the Lord is continuing and he is constant. Our closing hymn will be uh, hymn 235. It's our hymn of response. It is breathe on me, breath of God.